Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thanks, Gray. My guest today is the retired director of the Arkansas Department of Tourism, Mr. Joe David Rice. Mr. Rice is far from being a mundane employee of the state. Quite the contrary. He is an author, photographer, funny storyteller, and orator who served under five different governors. That can't be exactly easy. He can hold his own with the best, exemplified by his 1983 testimony before the U.S. Senate Committee on behalf of of the Arkansas Wilderness Act. As an author, Joe David Rice has written the books called Arkansas Backstories, Volume 1 and 2, which is a compilation of exactly what the title says, little-known backstories and factoids of Arkansas folklore. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table author, photographer, accomplished promoter, and historian of the state of Arkansas, Mr. Joe David Rice. Thank you very much. So first of all, I want to tell... Give a shout out to your mother for following the Southern tradition <laughs> of calling you by both your first and middle name. Thank you, Joe David's mother. Sometimes if I'm in trouble, she puts a heavy accent on the first. Joe David. Yes. I do it the other way around. Joe David. That's the way I do it. <laughs> As Ernie Dumas would say, Joe David, you are a true Arkansas-er. And yes, listeners, that is a word. I looked it up. Arkansas is another word for Arkansan. You were born in Paragould, reared in Jonesboro, schooled in Fayetteville before moving to the University of Illinois for your master's degree in environmental planning. I read as a young man, you and some of your friend, friends created the first mountain bike trail in the state. Is that true? Well, it was the first mountain bike trail in Crickhead County. Uh, it may may have been one of the first in the state because this was back in the uh, late 50s, early 60s. So it was an accidental mountain bike trail. So how did that come about? Were you in high school? Were you in college? No, I was in uh, grade school and junior high. And uh, <laughs> there was a 20-acre piece of land behind our subdivision. And we just had free reign over that. We went up there with our shovels and hatchets and axes and created a, a series of trails where we could just ride like uh, – banshees through the woods you are a can-do kind of guy well you know you have you're sort of left to your own resources we we had plenty of resources to pull that off you know that kind of bothers me about today you couldn't let your kids do that today we had no idea what bike helmets were nothing to do about bike locks you know we were just out there having a good time or being stolen no or kidnapped hmm. or Jonesboro high- was sort of a norman rockwell kind of town to grow up in yeah you know, and we if stuff was happening, you didn't know about it because we didn't have the communications we have today. So that naivety was kind of freeing, I guess. It, it was a good life. It really was. And it was still good today. So they did credit you for making the first mountain bike trail in the state of Arkansas. You have been credited for that. <laughs> well, I'll take that. But it was uh, a joint effort between Larry and Dwight and Bobby. The rest and there of had us. to be other kids out there doing that in other parts of the state, too. Probably so. Undoubtedly. 
so you decided to you love the outdoors. You decided you were going to get a degree in environmental planning. You went to Illinois for a master's. What did you think you were going to do with that degree? What career were you seeking? I was hoping to come back and uh, work for Arkansas State Parks, and I, I did that for a while. And then uh, they moved me over to the tourism division, and I just stayed quite a while there. So you did work for the Arkansas State Parks and Tourism. They're the same. What do you mean? Well, uh, You're the director of the State Parks and Tourism. At the time I worked, it was the Department of Parks and Tourism. We had a State Parks Division where I got my first job with the department. And then they switched me over to the Tourism Division where I was more in charge of trying to promote the state and get more tax dollars generated. Oh, so you weren't out in the world as much as you'd like to have been, probably. I was out in the commercial world, but uh, I making still got speeches. to travel the state. Making speeches? Going to a lot of chicken lunches and things like that, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rex Nelson has a great website. What's the name of that website? He was on the radio show with us. Chicken. Fried Pies. Fried Chicken. Fried Chicken. Southern Fried Chicken. Uh, it kind of sounds like you did what he did a lot. Yeah, I didn't get paid as well as Rex, but it was fun. Oh, I don't know about that. Um so you began your career before that, I do believe, as an entrepreneur. You were the co-owner of the Buffalo River Outfitting Business. Yeah, it was on Highway 65, about halfway between uh, Conway and Harrison, up around Marshall. That was a great experience to go out there and see how people reacted to the river and, and, and what uh, really turned them on and off. That was that was a good experience. How old were you when you were doing that? I was... Uh, Probably 29 or 30, something like that. Okay, so I'm confused. Did, did it take, how long did it, so did you do that while you were working for the state parks? Yes, uh, before I started working for the tourism division. I did that on weekends. Oh. you Were you married? Yes, uh-huh. Your and, wife would let you go off for the weekends? Uh, well, she would go with me, and so would our two boys. So it was a, a family adventure. I gotcha. And you were co-owner, so you were an entrepreneur. That's right. And I got to drive the bus and tote canoes and, and put them in the water and pick up people and pick up trash and try to deal with the National Park Service when they would give us the latest regulation. How did you meet your wife? Uh, I'm a, my current wife, shall we say. Uh-oh, maybe I should, maybe I should go in somewhere I shouldn't go. I'm, uh, <laughs> we were introduced uh, about 15 years ago with, by some mutual friends in El Dorado, and uh, I've, I'm the happiest man in the state right now. Oh, so how long have you been married this time? Uh, we've been married uh, soon to be 10 years. Well, that's a pretty long time. And you're still the happiest man in the state. I am. I'm a very lucky man. That's great. Great story. Um, when uh, You also have been, cre- have been uh, accredited with uh, making the Arkansas Floaters Kit. What is that? That was one of my first jobs when I got transferred over to the Tourism Division. We had a lot of people come into Arkansas saying they wanted to go floating, go canoeing. Mm-hmm. And there was no single source for them to get information. So we put together this kit that uh, was 20 pages long for, for 20 different creeks and rivers in the state. On one side, it had the map with all the access points and showed you where the, the rapids were and put out points and all. And on the flip side, it had a, a written description of what you could expect uh, when you went floating on the Caddo or Cadron or Buffalo or War Eagle or whatever stream you happened to go on. And it, it was very well received. Well, I thought the Arkansas Floaters Kit was going to be a flashlight, a bottle opener, and a first aid kit. <laughs> no, you had to provide those on your own, Carrie. Well, why is it called the Arkansas Floaters Kit? It should be called the Arkansas Floaters Map. Well, it was a, a collection of 20 maps and uh, all kinds of resources, so we just decided to call it a kit. Is it still available? No, it went out of print years ago. 
Well, you know, you can make things printed really easy these days. I wonder why nobody's done that. It's probably changed. It's probably a moving target, isn't it? I think you can download it at the Parks and Tourism website today, though. If you were to pick a, a river of all the rivers, it sounds like you know a lot about the Arkansas rivers from your child, from your from your young adult ages. Which rivers would you pick to, to float? To float? You know, everybody's heard of the buffalo. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the Piney up north of Russellville uh, probably has much of a better whitewater. Uh, it's not nearly as crowded. The Mulberry's great. If you want to see a really underappreciated river in Arkansas, I'd recommend go down to southwest Arkansas check out the Cossatot. It's uh, one of our newer state parks, and it's the most rugged whitewater in mid-America. And it's, it's the most what? Rugged whitewater stream in mid-America. In the south? In the southwest. flows out of the Washita's, heads up near Mena and flows straight south uh, through the heart of the Washita's. And uh, it's one of those rivers that uh, I'd recommend you hike along rather than float, unless you're a, a really good canoeist. What's it called? The Cossatot. Supposedly, that's an Indian term, Native American term for skull crusher. And uh, people uh, can't get their skulls crushed, certainly get their boats crushed down there. Um, the Washita Rivers, I have been told, or the Washita Mountain, I've been told, is the only mountain that runs, is it east to west? Yes. I think you and Jim Daly had that conversation a few months ago. The Washita's, as he pointed out, are actually folded where the t- tectonic plates came together and lifted up the mountains. and. The Ozarks are an uplifted plateau that got, you know, eroded away. So Ozarks technically aren't mountains. Washita's are, if you're a geologist. I think they're both mountains. All right. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with the very interesting and accomplished promoter and historian of Arkansas, Mr. Joe David Rice, who was the director of the Arkansas State Parks and Tourism for 30 years, serving under five governors. We'll talk about what that was like. We'll also hear some state park stories and find out what his favorite places are in arkansas we'll be back after the break you're listening to up in your business with carrie mccoy a production of flagandbanner.com over 40 years ago with only 400 dollars, carrie founded arkansas flag and banner during the last four decades the business has grown and changed along with carrie's experience and leadership knowledge In 1995, she launched the business website, flagandbanner.com, became an early blogger in 2004, founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom in 2009, began distributing a biannual publication called Brave Magazine in 2014, and today she's branched out into this very radio show, YouTube channel, and podcast. Each week, you'll hear her engage in candid conversations with her guests about real-world experiences, on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting, educational, and motivational. This year, stay informed about her upcoming and exciting guests by subscribing to our Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy YouTube channel. For a complete update of happenings on the Flag and Banner campus, Dreamland Ballroom events, sneak peeks of the upcoming Up In Your Business guests, sales at flagandbanner.com, relevant Brave Magazine articles, and Carrie's current blog post, join our email list at flagandbanner.com to receive our very popular, all-inclusive, water-cooler weekly email. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. The TheFlagandBanner.com Before we get back to Carrie McCoy's interview today, here's one of the ways that national travel sites promote Arkansas tourism. 
Hey there, fellow travelers. Mark here with Walter's World, and today we're here in Yellville, Arkansas, for 10 things that shock tourists when they come here to Arkansas. And the first thing that shocks them when they come here is the natural state of Arkansas. Look, the motto of Arkansas is the natural state, and you will see that because this state is really gorgeous. The thing is, whether you're here in the Ozark Mountains going through with the beautiful views you have, or one of the numerous state parks when you're here, maybe going to Beaver Lake, or Table Rock Lake, or maybe you go to Buffalo National River to check that out. There's tons and tons of outdoor stuff to do when you're here and explore, whether it's hiking, driving, going to see the natural bridge if you're driving up here to the Ozarks from Little Rock. I mean, there's just so much natural beauty when you're here. And honestly, your biggest surprise part is when you go around. If you do a float trip, especially up here in the Ozarks, you can do a float trip when you're up here. Just you, some buddies, and your drinks floating down the river together. I mean, how can you beat that? And honestly, when you're driving around the state, you really will see just amazing views. I mean, it really is a nature kind of place to be. And the thing is, though, when you think of the natural state, you think of nature and hiking and, and, and fishing and things like that. But my next shot for you is don't forget the spa life when you come here to Arkansas. And that means when you go to Hot Springs, Arkansas, it's actually, there's a national park. Hot Springs National Park is the smallest national park in the U.S. And it's right there. And you have Bathhouse Row. And you have these beautiful bathhouses they built where people would go in and take the baths with the mineral water, the hot mineral water that comes out. And you can go there and, I mean, you can go there and go take a bath yourself. You can go in the 140 degree hot water. You can feel that. It's a gorgeous town. And the thing is, it has history because people have been visiting hot springs for the last hundred and some odd years to take the baths. Baseball players back in the day, like way back in the day, they used to come and relax and take it in and, and, and kind of heal up for the next season here. Gangsters love going there. I mean, there's a little gangster museum you can go and see because you know what? Capone liked to go there. But honestly, when you go to hot springs, you're like, wow, there's hot springs and these, this beautiful architecture here. This is, this is actually really nice. And if you don't want to do the bathhouses, you know what? There's beautiful nature there too from the views going to Lake Hamilton to, to go on the lake. And there's just a lot of things to do when you're there. Back to you, Carrie. Thank you, Sun Gray. All right. Before the break, Joe David and I were talking about his life before he became really the director of state parks and tourism for Arkansas. But now we're going to talk about his life while he was there. So you worked under five different governors. Yes. Uh-huh. I asked a guy who was in the military, how do you stay in the military when they keep changing the president all the time? And he said, you just do. So how do you stay, fly under the radar, not butt heads when governors are changing all the time and you're working on a project and you get a new governor? And he says, oh, that's stupid. Let's not do that. Or does that ever happen? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't admit it if it did. Um, Come we on, had give a, me some dirt. <laughs> a, a, a really good team at, at Parks and Tourism uh, for a number of years. Richard Davies was our director, and Greg Butts, our state parks director, and I was a tourism director. And I think uh, the governors just felt that we were doing the right things. We were in there for the right reasons. We were looking out for Arkansas, not for you know one party or the other. And uh, we we weren't looking for new jobs, and we just uh, enjoyed what we were doing. I think we would all agree we had the best jobs in the state at the time, and we just uh, looked forward to going to work every day and trying to increase uh, the tax revenues and improve Arkansas's image out there. What do you think about our state parks while you were there? What changed and improved while you were there? When I first got there, many of the parks were struggling. We didn't have nearly enough money. Uh, they'd been neglected. And then the voters approved the conservation amendment back in 96, and all of a sudden our parks had about $20 million a year to 
you know, replace the roofs, put in new sewer systems and new electrical hookups for the campsites. And I think right now we have probably one of the top state park systems in America, and it's getting better every day. Rate it. How top? Who's got the best? Uh, California? No, California's had some financial trouble. They, in recent years, have actually had to close parks. Uh, South Carolina has a, a good system. Colorado has a good system. But oh, uh, yeah. I'll put ours up with any of those. Really? You bet. You ought to just pat yourself on the back. Well, the the voters gave us the resources to do that. Now, that's the sign of a good leader. Did you see him just give the credit away? Well, another thing, Carrie, got to, to realize is that uh, our parks are free, you know, with the exception of, I guess, the folk center where there's an admission fee. You can go to any park, and you don't have to pay an admission fee. There's no gate. And uh, a lot of states don't operate on that system. I know my wife and I were out in um, Utah a couple years ago, and every time we went to a state park, there's another $15 admission fee. And you know, that adds up after a while. What? So so our, poor people can't go to state parks? They, they, if they had $15, they could. But that's you got to remember here in Arkansas, we've done a good job of making our parks accessible. We, you sure have. So let's talk about the governors. So Ernie Dumas was on. He talked about all the governors that he got to cover in his in his uh, his career as a reporter for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Who would you say was the most uh, the friendliest to the natural states state parks? Uh, it's easy. It's Mike Huckabee. Uh, really? Yeah. If you remember, you know Huckabee liked to go fishing and 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 get out. In fact. Um, when we were working on that campaign in 1996 to try to get the conservation amendment to pass, Huckabee had just come into office after succeeding uh, Jim Guy Tucker. And, you know, Huckabee's a young Republican governor. We're going, oh, my God, you know, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so we go to talk to him, and we ask if he would just kindly set this election out and let us go ahead about our business. And he said, what do you mean? I'm for it. What can I do to help? And he's the guy that got in his bass boat and floated down the Arkansas River from Fort Smith down to Marisac, making campaign stops along the way, fishing and and making stump speeches, and had Mike Huckabee not done that, that conservation amendment never would have passed. So without a doubt, uh, Huckabee and Janet uh, both were big advocates of state parks and did everything they could to, I think, help the public appreciate what we have in our state park system. You know, I keep talking about Ernie Dumas. I don't know why, but it's because he was just recently on, I guess. But he, I asked him to give me one word to describe each governor, and um, and he called Jim Guy Tucker unlucky and Bill Clinton brilliant, and he called Mike Huckabee liberal by standards back in those days uh he was quite i would probably use the word progressive uh, was it progressive maybe he said but, yeah it might have been the I word i think that might have been the word i think that yeah. might have been the word he mm-hmm. actually used progressive said the most progressive and and uh well like uh, governor hutchinson uh, some of huckabee's most difficult problems came from the the far right wing of his own party and he you know tried to i think get him back a little bit toward the middle but but huckabee uh, was a, a really good governor from a conservation angle. So uh, I would have thought that it would have been maybe uh, Governor Clinton, because I think it was during his tenure that he changed to the name, our name of our state or from uh, the land of opportunity. I don't even know if people realize we used to be called the land of opportunity to now the natural state. And I think that was in Clinton's tenure. Yeah, but he really didn't have anything to do with that. That was pretty much Bobby Glover out of Carlisle, state representative, uh, who, who did that. He, Bobby Glover gets the credit for that. Did you have a, did you, were you a part of that too? I wondered. Oh, in the, in the background, I was helping when I could. Mm-hmm. Is there one that you would say um, was the least favorite <laughs> or the hardest to work with about it? Oh, 
every governor has his or her, we don't have any her governors yet, but has his own uh, agenda, I guess. Mr. Clinton liked uh, education, and I know that we were trying to, to improve departmental funding at Parks and Tourism, and he said, well, as soon as we get the roads fixed and the education fixed, we're going to take care of you, but we all know that the roads were never going to be totally fixed, education not completely fixed, mm-hmm. so uh, we had to sort of get in line there. Um, I know that uh, Mike Beebe said if he could make one change to his administration, it would have been that hog farm permit up in Newton County. Oh, I'm and, glad you uh, brought that up. That, that was something that sort of fell through the cracks during his watch, um, and he he much regretted that, I know. So tell our listeners what you're talking about. Well, back, uh, I don't know, six or eight or ten years ago, some farmers up in Newton County had lived on the land for multi, many generations. They were trying to make a living up there, and they decided that perhaps a hog farm would be the way to do it. And so they went through the permitting process, and the folks at the Department of Environmental Quality um, – I don't think we're sort of asleep at the wheel. Anyway, they permitted it. It was probably the the worst place in Arkansas you could put a hog farm because it was right on top of some uh, limestone where the sewage would leak right through to the the groundwater. And they were not malicious. They just were trying to make a good living. And then they got the hog farm up, and then people, you know, rose up in arms saying, gosh, this is going to hurt the buffalo. And so it's been a a number of years, but with the Nature Conservancy's help and Stacey Hurst at the Department of Arkansas – Heritage now, Parks, Heritage, and Tourism, and the governor. Uh, the the hog farm was purchased by the state, and all they have to do now is drain the sewage ponds or, or pump it out, mm. and the, the buffalo will no longer be threatened. And you're talking about the Buffalo River. They were at the top yes. of the Buffalo River, which yes. is a uh, it's an, it's a federally protected yeah, river, isn't it? It's called the Buffalo National River. It's actually a unit of the national park system, but it's not a national park. But it's about 95,000 acres uh, owned by you, me, and the other 300 million people in America. And they were saying that the it was floating downstream into where families were floating and it was becoming a health hazard to the people that were canoeing and swimming in the water. Yeah, that, those were the allegations. Um, I'm not sure there were any actual public health threats just yet, but there was no question that that sewage stuff was leaking into Big Creek, which flowed into the Buffalo, and there were algae blooms and the, the water quality had, had severely diminished right below the confluence of those two creeks. So uh, mm-hmm. I, this will be a, a good solution. And the, the governor took the lead on that, Governor Hutchinson. And I can't believe they bought the land. That's great. Good for them. Well, they actually bought a conservation easement. So they, the families, I think, will still own the land, but they can no longer operate a hog farm there. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk about, as the director of state parks, I'm sure you've had some crazy questions. One time I heard you speak. And you said some of the funniest things that you've ever been asked was about the passion play. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, let's see. There's so many stories. I, let me let me talk, tell you another one first. Uh-huh. Uh, some of our state parks uh, where we would have uh, campgrounds and restrooms, like at uh, uh, one of the Civil War commemorative parks. You know, people would come up and say, uh, "Why is this a?" A state park because all the restrooms and campgrounds must have been there for the soldiers. I mean, they just couldn't figure that out. <laughs> it's just, it's just so it's, people ask the dumbest things. Um, Why is this a state park? Yeah, and uh, we had uh, there was a tourist attraction up in Eureka called Dinosaur World, and people would call us and ask for the money back because the dinosaurs weren't living; they were stone replicas. We went there, didn't we, Sunday? Yeah, Ray? and. Uh, 
the uh, Christ of the Ozarks, this is what you're talking about, Carrie. We had actual tourists look up at the statue, Christ of the Ozarks, and they said, well, is that thing natural or man-made? And, you know, how do you answer those kinds of questions? You're like, it's concrete and 20 feet tall. It's like a, a time uh, when I owned the canoe business. We put this couple in from Louisiana, and it was a beautiful day, spring day in May, you know, 70 degrees, no humidity, big white clouds against the deep blue sky. And I, I put them in the and push them into the river, and the guy does one of these timeout signs, and over the roar of the rapids says, which way do we go? And I had to point <laughs> downstream. Uh, up, paddle up the yeah. whole day. <laughs> but what was interesting about that job is when you pick people up, uh, at the end of the day, most of them had fallen in love with the state, and they were ready to buy a piece of paradise. Now, that was, say, 95%, Carrie, but the, and you're saying, well, Joe David, what about the other five? Well, we determined after careful analysis it was couples taking their – canoe trip when they were having problems with the relationship and they thought a canoe trip would be a great way to patch things up and that won't work i tell you what a canoe trip yeah a canoe that's like having a baby because you think it's going to make your marriage better <laughs> and you're like no that was a hard, lot of hard work uh people don't realize also that canoeing is dangerous well, it can be in the right conditions, the it, wrong conditions. I have almost died before. Don't act like it's not. More than <laughs> once, I have almost died. Because well, you get out there in the spring when the water's high, and you don't know anything about it, and you've tumped over, and you're freezing, and you don't have a wetsuit on. I mean, you know, it's... Look, you're grinning. That's because you know. Maybe you should go in June and July when the water's a little slower, a little bit warmer. I even tumped over on the Cato last summer. I want you to know. That was my granddaughter. It was hilarious. It was my granddaughter's fault. <laughs> That's uh, one of those underappreciated streams down around Glenwood. Uh, it's a, a very lovely float uh, when you're upright, I guess. And you can fish. Great gravel bars on the Cato. Yes, and you can fish. Uh, I couldn't believe how crowded it was. I'd never been on the Cato and had it crowded, and it was crowded. You know, now that my wife and I are retired, we've discovered you can do things like Monday through Friday, and nobody's out awesome. there. Yeah, we we've, we've avoided doing stuff on weekends. Yeah. That's like not going to the beach on spring break anymore because the kids are grown. You can go at any yes. time. All right, so now you're an accomplished photographer. I guess you've been doing that all your life. Now you're an author. I've got your book. You brought me your book, Arkansas Backstories. Thank you. Why is it not in color, first of all? Uh, color requires a heavier grade paper, and uh, you're not quadruple the expenses when you do it in color. So did you write the book? Arkansas Backstories, Volume 1 and 2, Essays About Arkansas, because it was an exorcism for all the Arkansas folklore that you had swimming around in your head for 30 years, because it looks like you just wrote it in 2018. Well, it's it happened pretty quick. Uh, what happened is one of my favorite authors is a guy named Peter Mayle. He is a, an English novelist. He died about two years ago, and he had a, a great set of mysteries. They were English, you know, no sex, no violence, but still pretty interesting. I like that about English, too. You must watch Channel 2 all the time. Oh, we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he also wrote a book called uh, <laughs> Provence A to Z, a nonfiction book Provence. About, about southern France. Oh. And I'd never been to that part of the world, but I just spent hours pouring through that book, and I said, well, somebody ought to do something like that for Arkansas. And my wife said, well, why not you? So uh, my books are modeled on that Provence A to Z, alphabetical listings of lesser-known aspects of the natural state. And they really are. Um, you wrote, put on the cover right here, quirks, characters, and curiosities of the natural state. 
So let's just hear favorite quirks. Favorite quirk. Um, I think one of them would be the fact that Helen Gurley Brown, who was born in Green Forest and lived uh, about a dozen years in Little Rock, and when she was growing up, she really despised her Arkansas upbringing and her Arkansas roots. She didn't want to be viewed as uh, somebody from rural areas. Anyways, you know, she went off to New York and she wrote Sex and the Single Girl, which uh, was a bestseller. She uh, That's a book that uh, really led to Carrie Bradshaw's character that Sarah Jessica Parker played in uh, Sex, Sex in, in the, the City. city. Mm-hmm. And she's the ga- gal that got... Burt Reynolds to take off his outfit for Cosmopolitan magazine. Anyway, oh, wow. when she died, uh, she wound up being transported back to Arkansas, and she's buried in the little town of Osage. And there's more people in this room than in Osage right now. Uh, and it's she and her husband, David Brown, the producer that did Jaws, their grave sites are overlooking a cow pasture in Osage. So it's I found it sort of interesting that she was such a worldly, sophisticated lady, and now she's uh, buried in a, a rural part of the state. In a cow pasture, mm-hmm. next to a cow pasture. So I'm watching um, um, Henry Louis Gates' Ancestor show on Channel 2 last night. And he has a movie star on. I don't know who she was. She's a young movie star. And when they're going back through her ancestors, her grandfather started the town of Fargo. It's over in uh, East Arkansas, just north of Forest City. It's Is it a- still around? Yeah, there's uh, the old Fargo school, and her grandfather may have done that, uh, is is open now as a historical site. A, a lot of famous African-Americans had roots in that part of the state. He was a slave. He was freed. Uh, people don't realize this, but when they freed the slaves, all of them walked to Arkansas because we were known to be, for, to, to be uh, open-minded. We were very progressive. Arkansas was very progressive. And so tons of thousands of slaves walked to Arkansas and set up. And set up camp and set up homes here. And his her father had forty acres. He plotted it and started an African American or a slave community, freed slave community. Really, uh, she cried. She was so excited about it. It was just last night. So I was wondering if that was still around. Fargo is still around. Still is. And uh, we have a, a, some pretty interesting aspects of African American history that have gone largely unexplored. For instance, most of us don't realize the first African American to run for president was an Arkansan. Uh, a guy what? named uh, George Edwin Taylor was born in 1859, no, excuse me, 1857 here in Little Rock. His mom was a free black, one of 500 free blacks in the state. His dad was a slave, one of 500,000. And uh, in 1859, two years after he was born, the Arkansas legislature passed a bill called the Free Negro Expulsion Act. that basically said if you were free and black in Arkansas, like this young Taylor kid, uh, he, he could be arrested and sold back into slavery. So he and his mom fled to St. Louis, and he wound up getting a good education in, in Wisconsin. And he was a, a very uh, informative and favored speaker on this circuit back in those days, a newspaper man and all. In 1904, the National Negro Liberty Party um, drafted him as their candidate for president so he ran against teddy roosevelt in 1904 uh, african-american from little rock and not many people realize that i had no idea so there's all those little little tidbits like that are in my book we had more senators we i can't remember how many senators we had african-american senators uh in the late 1800s also more than they've ever had we had more senators black senators in 
in Washington than we've ever had in history in the late 1800s. And then the Jim Crow laws came in and, and ruined Changed all that. But, all. Uh, along those same lines, Carrie, we had a, a U.S. congressman from Little Rock named James Hines. In 1868, he was campaigning for U.S. Grant, and the local Klan folks tried to warn him off. They put a coffin on his door and said, you know, you got to cut this out. But he was uh, insistent that the newly freed slaves could exercise property rights and vote and do other things expected of common citizens. And the Klan assassinated him uh, in 1868 in Monroe County. And to this day, there's not a single monument or marker in Arkansas about his assassination he was the first sitting member of congress to be murdered while in office i think i know what you need to do in your retirement you're good at raising money there you go (laughs) i've actually thought about doing some of those crowdfunding things because mr hines deserves some uh recognition i love that story uh abe lincoln you said i read somewhere that you said abe lincoln worked uh Yes, uh, there was a little town on Mississippi River north of present-day West Memphis, and there was a prominent plantation over there uh, named uh, Wapanaka Ferguson. Uh Wapanaka was sort of his nickname, but there's now Wapanaka National Wildlife Ridge over there. And and Lincoln worked for a a short time for Colonel Ferguson during one of those trips when we went up and down the river on those Mississippi flatboats from Illinois. And uh, he chopped cordwood. And he, he was here for a short time. And he lived but, in northwest Arkansas. Uh, northeast. Northeast Arkansas. Yeah. And that's something you don't learn in your history books. I know it. Uh, so I love your book. It's got uh, each of these is a little essay. So they're only one page long. How many? I can't. You didn't number these. How many do you think there are? Essays There's about in 140 altogether. And I had over 300 to begin with, but I, I had to cull some out. Like I had read that Edgar Allan Poe lived in Arkansas and I couldn't get that confirmed. Uh, I had read that Joseph Kennedy, the patriarch of the Kennedy clan, had some uh, Arkansas connections. And I talked to his official biographer, and he said, well, Mr. Rice, there are no files in the uh, family uh, files that I've seen that mention Hot Springs. And I said, well, do you think those would be in the official files? Uh, I'm a sort of chronic smartass. Yeah. (laughs) uh, But I let it go. And so Kennedy fell by the wayside, and so did uh, Aldo Leopold, who wrote a Sand County Almanac because I didn't find much about him. And I'd also seen that pythons had uh, gotten a start in southeastern Arkansas. But the snake? I, yeah, and I talked to the herpetologist, and he said that he doesn't think they're breeding yet. Those were the results of some irresponsible pet owners. But he also said, with climate change, watch out. Pythons in Arkansas. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with the very interesting author and historian of Arkansas, Mr. Joe David Rice, who after 30 years has retired as the director of Arkansas State Parks and Tourism. For more stories and his favorite places to visit when we come back. While we're taking a break, here's another glimpse at how the national travel media chooses to talk about Arkansas tourism how many picturesque little towns they have here in Arkansas. And you'll see this when you're driving through because you're not just going to do the highways. You're going to go on these back roads and you're going to pass through towns like here in Yellville that has the Marion County Courthouse with the stone building that's here and the little shops you can go and check out, little antique places. I went and got, I went and bought comic books, antiques, and, and old toys all together in one spot just on the other side here. And the thing is, you come and you're driving around Arkansas, you're going to see these little cute towns. Some of them done up so well. Yes, hot springs like I told talked about is gorge to check out eureka springs which is about an hour and a half from where i am now you can go there and you see that historic center and you'll see that look there are these cute picturesque towns you can visit when you are here yes there are the bigger picturesque cities you can visit you know you can do bentonville you can do fayetteville little rock 
there's stuff to see there as well. But also be surprised how many like cute little like squares you can see when you're driving through. So don't just drive through, stop, make a random video. Why not? Because you might enjoy yourself when you're there and get some of that great fried food. And the thing is, is that's why Arkansas is really good for photographers because you have like the picturesque little towns, but it's more of the picturesque nature you have around the state. Now, my next shock that I have for when you come to Arkansas is this is the home of Walmart and there's actually a Walmart museum you can go and visit. If you want to see Sam Walton's old F-150, you can go to the museum in Bentonville. They actually have the old Walton's Five and Dime. You can go in, it's a museum inside. You can do this, get a soda, at the soda fountain it kind of gives you like that oh what was it like you know a few decades ago when you'd go there you, you check it out and it's actually a historic kind of thing and it kind of gives you a, a nice little insight and how it started what did sam stand for in terms of everything he was going to do to save money to pass on that savings on to other customers flagandbanner.com reminds you that summertime is patriotic season there's lots of holidays you know about, Memorial Day, Independence Day, Veterans Day, but there's lots you can celebrate with beautiful American flags from flagandbanner.com that you may not know about. Constitution Day, Flag Day, there's Election Day coming up this year, Bill of Rights Day. These are the days you want to celebrate with a beautiful new American flag or pennant or stick flag or military and service flags. We've even got American flag fabric you can make your own designs with flagandbanner.com. Check it every week during patriotic season. Back to Carrie McCoy now on today's Up In Your Business. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with retired director of Arkansas State Parks and author of the book aptly named Arkansas Backstories, Mr. Joe David Rice. Before the break, we were talking about um, life growing up in Arkansas, little Joe David. Then we were, and then we were talking about life as a state parks director, and then we started talking about his book and the funny stories, and that's really the best part. And that's where we want to stay because the stories are really good. Not that your life's not interesting, David Joe Joe David, but the stories are amazing. And this one, it really caught me. Acropolis. Oh yes, back in uh, the eighteen twenties, I think some of our leaders were trying to be sort of grandiose in this uh, new territory we had here called the Arkansas Territory. And uh, they changed the name of Little Rock to Arkopolis. And that is actually found on a bunch of maps published in the 1820, 1822 era. Uh, but it's uh, short-lived, and it's back to Little Rock as a result. I like now, was the state cap? You're talking about the city was named that, or the state capitol building was named that? Uh, the city itself was named Arkopolis. I think that's a great name. It's a play on words, don't you think? Yeah, it, it was, uh, I think, based on some uh, a, a, a fine building over in Greece. That's right. That was on a hill. <laughs> yes. I mean, and then so they, so they took Acropolis and turned it into Arkopolis. Yes. Which is really tricky for everybody out there, but it's... It looks funny on maps, uh, but in my book, I think I actually show a map that shows Arkopolis, where Little Rock is presently located. So how many state parks are there in Arkansas? 52. So now we're going to put another one on that pig farm at the top of the Buffalo River where we got access to it? I think we'll just sort of let that quietly uh, fade away, let the smells and, and all uh, go back. We you got, know, you know in, the, in addition to 52 state parks, we have eight national park units in the state, too. Hot Springs, Hot Springs National Park. Yeah, on the Buffalo River. Buffalo, 
the Arkansas Post, uh, Clinton, oh. uh, Hot Springs, Fort Smith, and well, Arkansas Post. Where's that? It's over in East Arkansas, uh, right where the uh, near where the Arkansas River flows into the uh, Mississippi. Oh, because it used to be such an important. Uh, it was uh, a port. The only, it's, in fact, it's probably the oldest continual settlement, uh, Anglo-American settlement on the west side of the Mississippi River. It's worth a visit. Big alligators over there in the summer. You might enjoy those. Mm. Um, do you have a favorite park? I, mean, I just want to mention this, too, though. It's weird that they build parks on top of uh, waste management sites. Like city parks? Yeah. Well, uh, sometimes that may be the best use of that land. It's like uh, here in Little Rock. The ballpark. Yeah, but we've got like build parks and floodplains, which like Murray Park, Revson Park. Those that's a fine use of land because the water comes up and goes out of the way. And uh, for building parks on on landfills, if, landfills. If the if the uh, landfill has been properly done, uh, it's it's not a bad way to use the property. Yeah, but then when you're you're sliding into base and you piece of glasses. Well, you hope they put enough topsoil on there. You're not going to be hit with jagged metal or glass or anything. Or methane leaks or anything like that. It's, it's just weird to me, I think. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm digressing. Sorry. Uh, so do you have a favorite park? A favorite park? Gee, um, I've got several. Depends on where you go. I, th- I think the uh, Petagene, of course, is a, a great park. It's the flagship of the state park system. Um, got great cabins there. Rebuilt lodge, good food. It's, it's close by. Some really wonderful trails there, Cedar Falls. Um, I like the new lodge at Mount Magazine. If you haven't been to the new lodge at Mount Magazine, people, it's lovely. That's right. You you went up there and Last talked summer. me into going mm-hmm. up there, and I went up there. It's beautiful. It's an island in the sky. And then there's some say more private parks. I, I love the grounds at Crystal Bridges. Uh, if you've not checked those out, and the museum alone is worth a visit because of the building and the arts collection. But the grounds are wonderful. Uh, and you know, Four Seasons, you get different view through the, through the grounds. Sun Gray's about to die over there. Yeah, that's actually probably my favorite park. I lived two blocks from there. It was incredible. And uh, if you're going to ask about favorite towns, I'm a a big advocate for El Dorado. Don't know if you've been down there lately, but they're doing great with that Murphy Art District. they got a brand-new hotel going up. And they probably have the most vibrant public square in the entire state uh, in downtown El Dorado. Really? I I was down there just this past weekend. It's just a a great place. They've got the South Arkansas Art Center that can hold its own with any of them. I thought it had carcinogen problems down there. Uh, It used to. Back in the day, they did have uh, a big waste disposal site where they were burning all kinds of nasty stuff. But uh, as far as I know, uh, those days are history, and it's it's a good town. Well, I'll be darned. I didn't. I didn't know that either. That's Plus, really interesting. They are. They've about got the road from here to there fixed. You know, they've been trying to put a four laner in. It's all the way to Fordyce now, and it soon will be uh, on the way down through Hampton into El Dorado. You testified in 1983 before the U.S. Senate Committee on behalf of the Arkansas Wilderness Act. What does that mean? Well, um, as you know, we've got a couple million acres in Arkansas of national forest lands. And most of those are, are open for any kind of uh, public use, multiple use. Uh, you can do logging there, hunting, fishing, and all. Well, a very small percentage, like 2% of the lands, were set aside as wilderness areas, which means they can't do any logging in there. You can't go in there with ATVs. But for people who like to walk in turkey hunt or backpack or hike, it's the place you can go and get away from the uh, noises. You don't hear any leaf blowers. You don't hear any 
campground music. It's just a oh, praise the Lord, a place no to get away from everything. Blowers. So, yeah, I'm a, an advocate for for wilderness areas. It's, you can go out there, carry and uh, and look up and see the Milky Way at night. Uh, uh, pretty hard to do these days. It, it is. You know, light pollution is a big problem here, even in Arkansas. In some of those wilderness areas, you can hear uh, owls and whippoorwills and uh, beaver slapping its tail, and you can see the Milky Way, and you don't have to worry about stuff. Noise pollution and light pollution are not talked about enough. That's right. I guess because we've got bigger pollution problems than that, but probably like me growing up, noise pollution was a big deal. I'm sort of shamelessly promoting my book, but I have a chapter on quiet in there about where you can go and find some quiet places, and I have a chapter on darkness where you can go to get away from the dang noise uh, light pollution. I think that's a wonderful reason to just even buy your book. Great. Uh, Be sure that we put a link on flagandbanner.com's website to his book. I think this book is a great coffee table book for anybody that lives in Arkansas. The essays are really short, uh, and it's just very interesting. I mean, who knew Abe Lincoln lived in the... Who knew the CIA had secret contracts with an Arkansas organization to train and to train animals for clandestine activities? Or that we have glaciers in Arkansas, you know. I didn't know, know we that. had that. Over, um, you know, where Queen Wilhelmina State Park is near Mina, the next ridge to the north is called Black Rock Mountain, and there are some very large glaciers that are made entirely out of rock. Looks like a... And they're just, they fill up these little valleys, and they're just creeping down the coves. Uh, and it's, you know, like 50-acre glacier, just big boulder fields. Yeah, nobody knew that. Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Nobody knows that. Do we have a caller? All right. Hello, Gary McCoy. Hey, Megan Pittman. I want to know what they're going to do with Albert Pike. Oh, where it flooded that time? Yeah. Uh, yeah. For your listeners out there, Albert Pike is that... Uh, was that great campground on the Little Missouri River down around Glenwood and uh, well, a town called uh, Langley in southwest uh-huh. Arkansas. And maybe 20 years ago, there had a, a, a horrendous weather event, a flash flood that wiped through there, and it, I think it killed 18 or 20 people. And uh, the, Nas- the Washita National Forest decided to close the campground because they didn't feel they had adequate means for warning future campers if a weather event like that were to happen. And uh, they made it a day-use area, and the last I heard is still can be a day-use area, but I don't believe they're going to reestablish any campsites there, Megan. All right. Oh, I was wondering, but thank you. Thanks for coming. Uh, that's still a great place to visit. Uh, I saw a black bear down there not too long ago at the very spot. They have the most beautiful trail, Eagle Rock Loop, I've ever seen. They do. If you can walk on down to the winding stair area or upstream to Little Missouri, either one of those trails are outstanding. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. So, what should be on every what what should be on everybody's bucket list? We've named a bunch, but if you were going to say this, should, we've only got a few minutes left. If you were going to say this is a bucket, this this should be on your bucket list to do in Arkansas. If you don't do anything else, what would it be? I would say, uh, as your son pointed out a moment ago, the uh, Crystal Bridges is spectacular. And it's not just Crystal Bridges; that whole little town of Bentonville. Uh, they've got some great restaurants on the square. They've got a world-class hotel there. They've got probably the best mountain bike community in the state. And then, of course, Crystal Bridges. So Bentonville would be uh, there. I think El Dorado would be on the list. Uh, Fort Smith has got some some good stuff. And then uh, my hometown, Jonesboro, is, is doing wonderful things at Crowley's, uh, at Craighead Forest. Uh, and then they have some great restaurants in downtown and loft living up now. So 
good places everywhere if you look around. Arkansas is just booming. You know, I, I like to say, keep it a secret. I don't, you know, everybody wants to bring tourism here. And I know as a state parks tourism guy, you want to bring tourism here. But I sometimes like want to keep it a secret. As long as we can uh, keep the natural state natural and do things like the governor did by dismantling the hog farm uh, and, and, and realizing that if we're not careful, we will kill the goose that laid the golden egg, uh, I think that we're in good shape. I just don't want it to get overcrowded. Yeah, my uh, sister, one of them lives down in Plano, Texas, and she comes up here for relief as often as she can because it's just gridlock down there. You know, people have, uh, they, they worship the almighty dollar. And, you know, it's not always the thing you should be chasing. Well, along those lines, Carrie, Arkansas has so many things you can do at no charge. You know, so we mentioned our state parks, uh, there are no fees there. Uh, you can go walk along the buffalo, throw rocks, hunt crawdads. Uh, we, we have a lot of things that can be done at no cost. I've got a, uh, an article in AY Magazine about, you know, touring through the Boston Mountains. And you could just go up through there, and that's just spectacular and largely unappreciated. Is it true that the baseball's that baseball's spring training routine originated in Hot Springs? Yes, uh, at one time many of the minor uh, major league players uh, were in Hot Springs. You know, the Rogers Hornsby, Babe Ruth, they were all down there, and they would uh, supposedly uh, go to the track and and uh, the some of the southern clubs, places like that, in the evenings. And then play baseball during the day. Then they would go get the massages to wash the toxins out of their body. And drink that water that comes out of the mountain. Yeah, that wasn't the only thing they drank, but the water was supposed to offset the rest. Moonshine probably down there. So, Joe David, thank you so much. Well, I've enjoyed this, Carrie. I've uh, been a big fan of you and your entrepreneurial activities for years. And as I told you earlier, I've spent some good money at your store. So I, I hope to get back. Good. Thank you. I want to tell everybody that you've been listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and that I've been speaking today with Joe David Rice. He is the retired director of the Arkansas State Parks and author of a book aptly named Arkansas Backstories, Volume 1 and Volume 2. You got a little snippet of it today. Um, and, it, and I mean, they're just some and they're short reads. I'm not a person that likes to read a lot. So these little essays in this book, these, how many did you say? Essays? About 140. These 140 essays in this 237 page book. So that tells you how short they are. They're uh, they're really interesting. Quick reads. I loved it. I brought you a gift today, too. Well, that's uh, so kind. Thank look, you so Arkansas much. Arkansas State flag, U.S. flag desk set. Do you have one of those? I do not. I'm amazed how many people do not have a desk set with the Arkansas State flag. I had one when I was employed by the state, but uh, I had an inventory number. had to leave it there when I left. (laughs) (laughs) Joe David, thank you again for all of your good works. Arkansas is a better place. The planet is a better place because of you and what you've done. Well, thanks. We had a, a good team at Parks and Tourism. I'm proud to have worked for them. There he goes again, giving away the credit. Just like a real pro. Um, I want to thank all my listeners for spending time with us. We hope that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. 
All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.